Welcome back to the ATEM podcast. My name is Andrew Clark, and this is the place to be to catch up on news and views from ATEM. Here, we will continue with a series from this year's edition of the 24 Hours of ATEM. So, for this second episode, we will cover workflow at scale inside Comcast Technology Solutions. So, let's start the engines. Workflow at scale inside Comcast Technology Solutions. And I would like to uh, introduce uh, the panel. We've got Peter Gibson. Uh, he's the Executive Director of Product for Comcast Technology Solutions. Peter brings well over a decade of experience in the design and execution of video management and delivery solutions for clients at every scale. Peter and his team are solving the increased demands of multi-platform BOD and live delivery and bringing next generation of associated technologies to the market. Um, we also have Simon Adler from SDVI. Simon is Vice President of Americas. Um, Again, extensively worked in the media and industry for over 20 years, designing and overseeing the deployment of complex automation and processing systems uh, for some of the largest names in broadcast video and uh, video both in America and Europe. And finally, uh, from a team like myself, uh, we've got Bill Crichton. He's our Vice President of Sales uh, and Business Development for the NAM region. Uh, Bill's worked in the cable and telco industry for over 20 years engineering and architecting uh, network service delivery and application platforms for the global service provider community. At a team, ben, Bill manages our strategic tier one MVPD and business partnerships for the North American and global market. So I'm gonna stop sharing the screen and if you gentlemen would all like to turn on your videos. There we go. Welcome gentlemen. Um, so to get this conversation going, um, I'd like to start first with you, Peter, as you are the main subject of the, uh, of the discussion today. Um, can you briefly introduce uh, Comcast Technology Solutions and its roles in supporting not only Comcast uh, locally in the domestic US market, but also internationally? Uh, yeah, please, Peter. Yeah, certainly, and uh, nice to be on the panel today, and, and thanks to Atem for, for having me on. Um, so just by way of introduction, um, I oversee uh, all product for our content streaming providers business unit of CTS. Um, Comcast Technology Solutions are a business unit of Comcast, so we bring Comcast innovation and technology to the industry. We do this across content and streaming providers, across advertisers and agencies, global operators and, and telcos. Um, really what we look to provide is, is um, products and solutions from post-production right up until play out or the app experience and everything in between. And we do this across any content, any device and, and anywhere. And that's really the, the kind of the, um, what we bring from Comcast Technology Solutions and specifically the content and streaming providers business unit of, of Comcast Technology Solutions. Okay, and and just sticking with you, Peter. Here, um, you know, recently a team has been deeply involved with SDVI as well on, on a on a project. Can you tell us a little bit about what it is that you're doing there, and, and maybe I can share a slide on to help show that as well. Yes, certainly. So, um, just just to back up and give a bit of perspective of of some of our our business in relative to this this project as well. So we support. 
um, baud distribution across MVPDs. Traditionally, that's been our, our model that we've had for Comcast technology solution across North America. So all MVPDs and operators and virtual MVPDs, we process over 200,000 assets a month for delivery to these environments. Um, more recently, the project that we embarked on as, as given the our existing baud distribution footprint is North America based. We process typically on-prem. The uh, project that we're working with yourselves and with SDBI has to take that same workflow and content processing and put it in the cloud so we can support global regions and, and do this at scale. I think just to, to look at the eye chart here, just to, to kind of give some perspective to the, to, to the solution and that. So as I mentioned, there's, there's kind of two applications where we already support distribution to North America. Um, the other aspect of our business is around supporting BOD delivery for Comcast and the X1 platform. And we do this to support content owners and broadcasters and delivery of their content to the X1 platform, but also syndication partners who are taking that same or X1 platform for their business. And we'll take what we call our unified Comcast platform to deliver that content, not only for Comcast, but our syndication partners of X1. And, and our workflow here has been to take the elements that we have existing and then the ability to process content in the cloud with SDVI from the Raleigh infrastructure and then with the TAM from the, from the encoding standpoint. So if we just kind of move from left to right there on the, on the top perspective, we have our existing unified ingest platform that we support. We take in the content from our, our partners and our customers. We integrate with our Merlin platform, which supports, this is our across our X1 system to take all the entertainment metadata and apply that to the, the incoming content. We have various ingest APIs, which will normalize the incoming metadata that we receive. And then we start to apply the workflow chain that's uh, to process that content, to get it out to the appropriate endpoints. Uh, in this case, typically, as I mentioned, with our existing distribution, we've done this on-prem. The requirements for this project more recently have been to scale that to the cloud so we can support glo global regions, specifically the initial project has been to support the UK, but this gives us the ability to, to extend that out through, through other markets. Um, we have our encoding infrastructure then, which will manage really working. This is where we work with the, the Rally platform then to orchestrate with the TAM transcoding, the encoding of the content for, um, uh, again, based in the cloud across a Kubernetes environment uh, within AWS. And then we take that downstream and pass it off to um, the downstream application for Rex, which is the you know, search and voice discovery platform. And then the Merlin outlet location, which will take that metadata that we've processed and the content and then apply that across ad platforms and ultimately out to the CDN for delivery in that, in that uh, particular operator or customer environment. Okay, thank you. Um, and then Simon, maybe you can add a little bit more color to how does SDVI and its rally product fit into uh, that landscape? Sure, happy to. Um, yeah, and again, thanks for having me here today. Um, well, Peter obviously just said everything I want to say anyway, so that's that's destroyed that one. But um, no, I mean, as Peter said, you know, really the Rally platform is there to orchestrate not only the workflow uh, and make sure that that runs as efficiently as possible, but also the infrastructure itself. So that's how we differ to many others. You know, we are cloud native, and for Peter's case, it's a case of scaling that infrastructure as 
today delivering to the UK. Um, but for every every other region they want to deliver for, you know, we can manage that infrastructure really to optimize it, make it as efficient as possible. Make sure you don't have to, you know, build for peak and buy thousands of servers and, and then sit, you know, have some of them sat there idle. But I think that's key for this project. And in this case, it's, it's the ATEM encoder that we're obviously scaling up and down on demand. Uh, but also, CTS is a pretty uh, dev savvy customer. So they tend to build things themselves often. And so Rally, which is the SDVI platform, really is a self-service platform. And I think that was key for Comcast in the fact that they could then build around it and take the pieces they need at the moment uh, and orchestrate those uh, and then you know grow and continue to build around the Rally platform as they go forward. So I think those, those are the key things that, that why we're working well with, with CTS today. Okay, thank you. And then, and then finally to round it off in terms of Atem's input onto this, Bill. Yes, thank you. Thanks for having me on the panel as well. Um, great slide. I, I, I love the ability to show such a complex solution. What Atem delivers in that, uh, in that flow as video delivery leader, um, we provide the innovation for, uh, as was said, transcode, right? So for live and on-demand services, um, you know, functionally as a, as, as a product, but also from a tech perspective, right? Which I think we're going to get into as, as we get into the scale and uh, different aspects involved, not only with the media transcode and the innovation on that front, but also uh, the services and operations and all the things that we can package around that attempt is at the forefront. Uh, we've worked with, with Comcast. We've had the pleasure of uh, being there for several years um, and working not only with standards bodies and alongside Comcast on the work they do, but to build something that uh, is very compelling, very uh, value-oriented um, and definitely at the forefront of technology. Okay. And, and Peter, you, you, what was the ultimate end-to-end -end goal of this new workflow? What were you really trying to achieve um, in, in designing that move to the cloud? And, you know, we'll, we'll touch further on the cloud shortly, but going back to the slide, you know, what was the real, real ambition here? Yeah, I think first and foremost was the ability to process in the cloud. I mean, so we could support the you know, the, the regions that we had to, and the territories that we want to support from global expansion of our, of our VOD offering. So that was, that was first and foremost. I think traditionally we've had a lot of flexibility in our workflow, modular workflow to support. Again, that, you know, variance that we see across metadata with our, with our customers and content providers, um, but to keep that same flexibility in the, in the platform too. And that's, you know, that's the, the benefit of the, the Raleigh platform and SDVI that we were able to incorporate that within within our existing framework, but still have the ability to drive components of the solution that we need, but likewise keep, keep in place some of the existing um, um, content processing and, and workflow that has, you know, works well and, and works well at scale and, 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 uh, and we want to continue that. So it was really around, you know, ability to support content processing in the cloud and maintain that flexibility across our workflow platform to introduce, you know, and integrate SDVI for, for components of that orchestration. Okay, and, and then Simon, you know, what challenges does SDVI really helping CTS overcome? Uh, you know, where does that touch points really make a difference? Um, because you are connecting with so many devices and so many APIs, you know, what are those challenges that you're overcoming? Yeah, I think again, to Peter's point scale, I think it's obviously the obvious one being able to natively scale up and scale down on demand. And obviously that has some cost efficiencies. Um, 
and I think with the certainly with the size of Comcast and to Peter's point, the amount of content they push through that becomes key. Um, then I think ease of integration, you mentioned all those APIs, you know, obviously for this particular project, Atem is perfect. It's the encoder that's being used to produce the high quality pictures. Um, but obviously we have connectors to all sorts of other encoders, QC tools, AI tools, various other tools. And again, we try and take the pain out of someone having to integrate those themselves. Uh, and just present those really as a platform for everyone to work, you know, work on seamlessly. So that I'm assuming for Peter's point is, is something that's really useful to him. The other thing is that we tend to, um, we often have to cloudify products that are not cloud ready. Um, you know, many have been designed to run on a server and obviously they don't scale up and scale down. So that's something we offer. And I think, you know, as, as we move forward even further on this project with CTS, there'll be other projects, other products that will be able to be, you know, used by CTS. Um, the other one really is, I think it's just to bring it all together as a consumption model. This is something that we do is all of the tools that we offer, you know, are on a consumption basis. So the more you use, the, the more you pay and the less you use, the less you pay. Uh, that also allows you to really judge how much you're going to spend uh, based on what your current business load is uh, and predict what you actually may spend in the future. So that, you know, is something that I'm sure that CTS are, are going to benefit from over, over the course of this project and others to come. Yeah, and I think you touch on an interesting point there about scaling and, you know, Bill, maybe you can sort of elaborate a little bit about the differentiators that Attend does with its, you know, Titan file and it being truly microservices. Yeah, spot on. I mean, you hit the nail on the head, uh, Jean-Louis, right? It's, um, you know, around microservices and that. I think it boils down to, uh, for Attend, at least tools and technology. So not only the collaboration with customers like Comcast Partners, like STVI, our uh, product teams and DevOps and the way that we approach that flexibility in terms of how we can incorporate features and ever-changing uh, requirements, as well as some of the standards around that. Obviously with microservices, um, things are changing very rapidly, right? Uh, being able to evolve and uh, have the flexibility uh, to make those types of changes uh, for customer demands, industry demands, you know, and not only to uh, respond and react, but to also be proactive. I think that's what ATEM is. Uh, been able to do and you know it's allowed us to, to be successful uh, in the market and especially with Comcast on some of these projects right especially looking forward to enabling scalability and um, you know looking down the road not just answering a question for today right yeah no, exactly you, you know and I think as you look at operations and how do you transition you know Comcast is um, you know running both on-prem and in the cloud. And, and Peter, maybe you can elaborate a little bit more. What was the real strategical reasons to go into the cloud fully for the, this workflow? Yeah, I mean, um, maybe, maybe I can back up and, and kind of give some context to, to, to that as well. So there's, there's two types of, um, you know, workflows that we typically see, and, and I'll talk a little bit about the kind of, some of the rationale for for why we wanted to to kind of approach take the approach that we did, but generally we see, you know, there's really three stages of of the content processing or, or supply supply chain. There's the ingest metadata and workflow publishing, which is again content processing. We then see the second stage, which is business policies and configuration around monetization rules, and then we have the third kind of piece of the chain, which is the UX and the app experience. And, and more often than not, we see variations of that workflow across our our customers. Um, but there's generally two types of workflows that we 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 see that kind of flow throughout throughout kind of the, the existing customer footprint that we support. 
And one is the where we're just supporting the content processing aspects of the workflow, which is very relevant to this particular discussion. So content ingest, metadata normalization, content processing, uh, and, and distribution then to operators or other downstream partners that will power the app or content experience. And then the other aspect, as I mentioned, is where we apply the business policies and configuration rules and, and, and power that UX and app experience with any middleware to our, our components and our servers for enforcing those business policies. So just to go back to the, the former where we're, we are supplying the content processing for these workflows, you know, traditionally we have been, um, you know, on-prem deployed um, capital investment. We wanted the flexibility to really be able to look at and leverage capital infrastructure where it makes sense, you know, for the existing capacity where we have, but likewise our ability to support scale and, and burst, you know, depending on, on the particular workflow to have that flexibility to deploy into the cloud and, and, and scale on demand for, you know, instances where we need from a capacity and, and compute standpoint, and then leverage the, the existing capital infrastructure we have. So we really try and balance that depending on the workflows that I mentioned for the particular customers. Okay, so Pete, uh, so, sorry, Simon, maybe you can leverage a little bit or elaborate a little bit more around that hybrid environment and you know how SDVI can scale from both like or multiple locations, whether it's on prem or in the cloud. Sure, I think for this, it's you know obviously most customers have a you know. CapEx, they've invested in hardware on-prem on and you know, the migration isn't really an overnight thing. And for many customers, they look at this and say, hey, we're just going to move it all to the cloud day one. But obviously it's not just about moving the hardware, the infrastructure, it's more about the operational change. You know, it's actually how do I, you know, what, what changes in the way that my operators need to, to work with this? Uh, they can't just, you know, shove a hard drive in and pull a file off. You know, there's really a, a, a migration plan that has to happen here. So, you know, in the case of CTS, this is where, you know, there's obviously a large investment on existing hardware on-prem. So it's a case of us, you know, although again, we're cloud native and run, you know, in AWS, we will control the on-prem encoders um, through to a point where their life, you know, that hardware is coming to its end and then we'll migrate those to the cloud. Um, but it doesn't make sense for CTS to, to move everything and just, you know, uh, write off all that equipment immediately. So there is certainly a path that has to be taken, which takes some time. Um, the other thing is that obviously, you know, with, with licenses and equipment, you've obviously got licenses and most of those may be to do with on-prem, depends again. I know Atem, you know, you have a, a, a special plan with, with CTS that allows you to move these things around. But, you know, for, for many, they've planned, uh, depending on how the licensing works, for this to be locked to a MAC address or something that's physical on-prem. And so there's also a migration path on the licensing side of things to go to a hybrid environment where we start to move one workflow to the cloud. Uh, maybe it's often the ingest workflow, to be honest, because that's one of the natural ones you can move. Uh, and then over time, as your hardware starts to get older, you write that off and you move the next bit to the cloud. So there is that fine balance between um, having the ability to burst, you know, and the flexibility in the cloud, but also balancing the, the finance team who've said, but you've just spent X million dollars on hardware and it's got three years left to run. Uh, but the one thing we do see often in this case is that it's quicker than you think. Most of our customers will come to us and say, we want to move this workflow to the cloud. Um, and we're going to keep all this on-prem uh, and that's going to be for the next X years. But by the time they start moving into it and start migrating, 
they see the flexibility, they see the efficiencies, they see the cost savings of actually running things and spinning up and shutting down hardware on demand. Uh, and so actually that time frame that might have been three years right off on a piece of you know, hardware, you know, suddenly shrinks. And, and we've actually had most of our customers who've actually said, forget it, we're just gonna go to the cloud you know, uh, way, way faster. So, but again, I think it does come down to often how, how the finance team treat that particular scenario, so. It's interesting that, you know, once the mindset is there, people do make that change quite rapidly uh, and move the operation to the cloud. And, and, and Bill, you know, we continue, Tim continues to invest heavily in cloud strategy. You know, we, we believe it's a big part of the future and, you know, we're prepared for it. Um, but can, can you tell us a little bit about how we're evolving, you know, our operations and our technology for operators to leverage the benefits and the capabilities of the cloud? Yeah, definitely. Thank, thanks, for me. Um Yeah, I, you know, first of all, I think Simon hit it exactly, hit, hit that nail on the head as well. I mean, you know, as far as the evolution of what a lot of those decisions, the factors that come into play, right? I think, um, you know, I appreciate the comment as far as attend being flexible and then, you know, what we're able to do as far as um, enabling the, the evolution, right? Uh, hybrid cloud strategies. I mean, as you make that migration from justifying the infrastructure and CapEx you had already spent in-house, how do I move to maybe being more fluid as I move into new areas? Uh, the consumption model as well as uh, consumption model from a, the end user perspective, as well as even consumption of content. Where do we source this from? Um, I mean, it's, it's such a elaborate landscape, right? I mean, there's just so much diversity. So I think what ATEM has uh, been, what we've been good at is being that level of flexibility, not only in licensing and commercial aspects, but uh, picking the right technology and, you know, focusing on standards, interoperability, uh, workflow and that, you know, this, this goes, I don't want to date myself, but, you know, barring the digital evolution and two-way boxes and truck rolls, right? I mean, you know, now it's not, it's just different. Instead of a truck roll, we have migrations of software applications, workflows and metadata and all the things associated. So I, I think what ATEM has been able to do is enable that as best as we can for our corner of the uh, architecture um, from a technical perspective and leveraging partners as well. Um, you know, as to again, the, that type of orchestration and, and uh, management and how we can deliver KPIs and operational visibility uh, to see the benefits and to manage that evolution so stuff doesn't get away from you uh, so that you're not overloading uh, nodes, <laughs> you know. Uh, but again, just, you know, being able to, to have a smart evolution to that as part of that process and avoid some of the pain like Simon, Simon described, which is very real. Yeah, and look, you, you hit on a point there that I think is very relevant and about KPIs and, you know, as the business scales and, um, you, you know, I think the CTS operation is, is, is a very large one as it is today and will continue to scale. Um, you know, Peter, you know, how you ultimately are servicing clients. They are internal clients, um, but you still have responsibility to hit KPIs and so forth. So, um, you, you know, how is it that you're managing those growths and those KPIs um, as you move forward? Yeah, um, well, we certainly have availability and, and uptime, you know, SLA KPIs that we have across our platform, which we maintain at, at scale. Um, as I mentioned before, the volume that we of, of VOD assets that we process monthly is approximately 250,000. So these are you know, assets that we're taking through our platform and distributing out to either X1 or syndication environments or to other operators for you know, commercial MVPD distribution. Um, our, our really mantra around KPIs from a you know, distri distribution to the MVPD and virtual MVPD market is on time and on target. 
Um, we want delivery accuracy. I think, you know, very much, you know, considerations on KPIs when you consider uh, C3 windows, the sooner you get eyeballs to content, the sooner as a content owner, you're monetizing that C3 window. So those are some of the, you know, from a customer or content owner perspective, that's the real KPI that is, is uh, uh, that lands for them. It's, it's just how quickly they can hit that C3 window for delivery of their content. Um, and just to know that uh, from a distribution standpoint too, that all the locations where we're sending the content out to as a content owner in the MVPD or virtual MVD footprint that we have um, uh, deliver that content uh, efficiently and to, to the location specified for, for the, you know, that particular customer workflow. So it's really around you know, uh, accuracy and in, in content delivery on time and on target. It's around the you know, uh, distribution timing where we can get the content out to uh, the particular you know, MVPD or wherever that content has to be surfaced for you know, end users and consumers. These are you know, the things or, or the KPIs that are really driving you know, what our customers expect from, from our platform and our service. And then to do that at scale where, again, we talked about the ability to burst if they have a particular content library or a, a new acquisition where they have to back, back process a, a particular catalog that we can do that. And we have the ability to burst into you know, their existing workflow to, to get that content out and distributed. So these are some of the things we think about when we talk about scale, when we talk about KPIs from a, a CTS perspective. Okay, uh, and you know that scaling does require you know elasticity, as you mentioned before. Bill, can you sort of elaborate on you know the R strategy or Tim's strategy around cloud and elasticity and some of the features that enable Comcast to do those two hundred fifty thousand or two hundred twenty thousand assets a month? Uh, sure. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, it sounds like a lot when you, when you say it out like that. Um, yeah, there's definitely high volume. Um, one thing though I want to touch on first that uh, just to kind of carry on that there's KPIs like that we've discussed, which are critical and, you know, I'll elaborate on some, some of the development you just asked. One thing also though, is the monetization aspects as well. Right. So it's not just KPIs for uh, operational visibility, but also like monetization and advertising and some of the other bits, right. Um, having that flexibility to integrate those types of uh, business rules and business aspects to it. Um, I just wanted to point that out as far as other pieces beyond just the operational, what we traditionally think of in KPIs. Um, but, you know, getting to your question, as far as the cloud capabilities and what we're doing uh, to try and enable that for, for CTS and, and for MVPDs like that is, again, microservices. I kind of touched on it earlier. I mean, the ability to be flexible and have that granularity to, to be able to provide a function efficiently. Uh, with the same focus on like codex and quality, we deliver, we're at the forefront as far as supporting these, uh, you know, codex and quality um, formats, right, resolutions as these standards and that come down as well as delivery aspects as well uh, with 5G and other unique uh, environments. Um, you know, where we focus our research on is in that uh, front end. So Kubernetes, Docker, you know, things like that that are at the forefront of microservices applications natural evolution from what started off as simply virtualization, right? I mean, initially, if you go way back to just, you know, OS stuff with Linux, went to virtualization, virtual machines. Uh, now the next ev evolution of that, um, you know, not only in how we build it with DevOps, but also what we're building in terms of these modular uh, microservices that can deliver this functionality um, very flexibly. Uh, and, and, you know, looking down the road that I think that'll support us uh, for a, quite a long time and support Comcast in delivering its scale, these large, 
catalogs, being able to spin up infrastructure. I think Simon touched on that. Um, you know, the, the, the flexibility is key uh, generically, right? As from a compute platform and what we're able to do to provide that as a service. Yeah, and, 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 and Simon, as these services continue to evolve and, you know, the volumes need to go through, you know, there's, there's critical decisions that management need to make as they, as, as the platform scales and, you know, again, reporting and so forth. Can you elaborate a little bit about, you know, how much data that you can then present to CTS uh, around the performance, the KPIs, but also future planning, because you want to know where you're going and what the requirements are going to be on all your infrastructure. Sure. I mean, to be honest, this predictability is one of the key things that, you know, we, we offer with the Rally platform. I mean, KPIs mean a lot of different things to different people today. Um, and for many media organizations, you know, that we talk to, it's not, they're not really sure often how much content they're actually producing. Um, they roughly know, but also the costs that get apportioned to that generally are, you know, we have, um, we're putting through a certain amount of content and we have a capex and an opex that we have and we we add all that up and we say, right, I, I have 27 networks, so I'm going to split that 27 ways and apportion it across those different customers. But you know, if I listen to Peter talking there, he's, you know, it seems like KPIs are, you know, on-time delivery, uh, making sure the content is good and, and trusted when it gets there. That's the mm. key thing for, for Peter. But um, thinking about how much did that actually cost me, um, you know, often that's that's something that, that our customers don't understand at the beginning. They just know they've spent a load of money. They've sunk the cash into this hardware. They've sunk the cash into other infrastructure. Um, and they've got some licenses that are shared across all their customers, but they can't actually apportion it to any of the particular customers. So you're not really sure how much is it costing me to deliver to customer A, customer B, customer C. So one of the key things that we offer um, is that ability to, on a job by job basis, you know, actually tag all the content, tag all the jobs that go through so that we collect all of that uh, information and then provide it back to the customer. So from a CTS perspective, you know, this will give them, uh, I would assume, more visibility going forward that actually that we are spending the following amount of money delivering to customer A and to syndication partner B and et cetera. So that they can start to say, is that good business? You know, maybe, you know, the sales team that go out and sell this new deal to a new partner, you know, and we're going to make whatever, 100 grand on this particular deal was actually going to cost me to produce that content. So going through Rally, we basically collect all the steps in the workflow, uh, not only the sort of the licensing costs and, and the uh, infrastructure costs, but then you can also start to put in the human costs if there's any manual QC in there or any other, you know, human touch time and really start to roll that up into a data lake um, and then present that out to CTS and they can then use that either with you know, standard reporting software to build up graphs and, and things. Uh, but basically it starts to give them visibility onto where do we spend our money and what's our ROI? How much, how much actual profit are we making on delivering to that? And from that aspect, then it leads us or leads them to be able to drive uh, maybe the encoding profiles. So, you know, if it takes more compute to do, you know, the top quality ATEM particular job, or it takes slightly less compute to do a slightly lesser quality ATEM because that particular customer is paying you less money because it's, you know, that's the, the cost of that particular market and the amount of money you can make, you know, we can dynamically drive that as part of a supply chain and say, okay, look, we're going to dial this back because some of the inbound metadata told me that um, we want to treat this customer slightly differently. So, 
you know, there's there's so much data that we collect uh, and also offer, uh, you know, one more thing would be just predictability. So before you even start a new supply chain, you're able to say, right, it's going to go through tool A, tool B and tool C. And I know how much they are on a cost per minute and consumption basis. So I can actually again say, okay, this does make good business sense to, to take this customer on and this is what we can charge them. So say so there's a wealth of data there um, and, you know, we will collate that and provide that to CTS and then hopefully that helps them drive a more profitable business. And, and Peter, what, what impact has this data had on your thinking about the operation? I mean, is it, is it constantly changing your uh, landscape and what your future planning is? Yeah, yeah, certainly is. I mean, you know, Simon brings up great points in, in terms of, you know, as with product responsibility, you know, certainly need to understand the costs in our, in our workflow, but because we see so much variance in, you know, the overall end-to-end -end workflow of what we're supporting for particular customers in some cases where they have capital on-prem infrastructure, they're processing themselves before handing off content or metadata to CTS, and then we're processing you know, further metadata enrichment or, or the distribution components of that content. We put that up over, you know, our, our portfolio and our end-to-end -end offering to be able to understand the cost along that supply chain as a product owner that allows me to be more efficient in what we are providing to our customers. And I think with the Rally platform, we've been able to get that ability to really per asset understand our costs in that supply chain. And, and that's that's key as you know in the product and the, and the solutions that we're offering our customers because we can maintain that flexibility but now we further understand our, our costs along that supply system stage and what type of workflow we're, we're providing so um it's really you know been been uh you know a point of emphasis to understand you know our cost basis for the workflow that we're providing to our customers but still maintain that that flexibility in in, in how and where they want to plug into that yeah, and, and Simon touched there about, uh, you know, a data lake, a metadata lake, and can you elaborate a little bit further on what you're doing with that or what future plans you may have with it or how it's being utilized today? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, um, it's really about asset visibility. So when we're using the Rally platform, having that data lake to understand and have asset level visibility for our customers of where the content sits in the supply chain in in terms of final distribution of where they want to get it to that's that's the benefit that we get from and that's what we look to from our partners because they can't be black box where you know we hand it off and then we we have a sequence of you know content processing metadata steps and and get it out the other end without any visibility into into that supply chain um you know in the event that there are you know encoding issues or metadata issues the ability to inspect and understand where in the workflow we are having that issue address it and then you know be able to uh, resolve that and and or implement the appropriate mitigation steps for that content to be able to flow through so that's that's what we look to from i think you know the entire partner ecosystem that we have that we try and get that visibility into all components of processing and likewise be able to provide as much of that as we can to our customers so they understand where their their content is in, in that particular supply chain yeah, and, and a curious question. Uh, maybe we should we could have talked about this previously, but I'm interested. Do you run it as a multi-tenanted? So does your clients log into Rally as well, or is it a closed environment? Yeah, that's uh, that's certainly something that we're working on with 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 Simon and, and the SDVI team is the ability to run it as a multi-tenant system. 
because um, that's the flexibility that we're looking for, that we don't have to deploy it per instance across our customer footprint. Um, so multi-tenancy and, and the ability to, you know, some of the key requirements that we had at, at the very outset of, of looking to leverage SDBI into our, our workflow and processing was multi-tenancy and the ability to orchestrate both the cloud and on-prem, you know, any existing infrastructure. And, and that's, uh, those are some of the, the, you know, key features from a, um, you know, from our perspective. Well, maybe that's a good segue to think about, you know, what's the next phase of the expansion and, um, you know, ultimately, as you grow the platform, how are you creating value, you know, for your customers and internally for yourselves as well? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, mentioned it before and, you know, you'll probably hear me say it again before the, we close up, it's flexibility, um, you know, in, in how we're expanding. It's, it's, you know, our customers will continue to have, you know, uh, on-prem and capital investments that they want to leverage as part of that supply chain workflow. We ourselves, you know, uh, at CTS will have, you know, um, want to maintain that hybrid infrastructure where it makes sense. Um, so we want to have that continue to have that flexibility. We see, you know, our customers are delivering to broadcast and digital environments. So with the workflow itself, we've always, you know, tried to have modularity and the ability to across audio video codecs, caption formats, regional caption formats, um, that flexibility that as we look forward to, you know, or as we, as we move forward with, um, you know, particular workflows that we're supporting across broadcast and digital, that we can continue to maintain that and have the ability to, you know, um, introduce different different partners into that into that supply chain for different requirements that our customers may have that you know we don't see right now, but maybe the case a year two from now, or depending on a particular you know region or territory that we we look to uh, to support a customer in. So you know when we think about um, you know the value for us and, and looking forward, it's it's continue with that flexibility. It's continue to have. Uh, the ability to plug and play into different different um, uh, components of that of that workflow as we as we see variance across you know our customer footprint for the uh, the type of content they're they're providing and, and ultimately the type of content they want to um, process and distribute out. Yeah, and and you know talking about the future there, you know it's never a crystal ball. Um, you don't know all your requirements for the future, but you know we all have to continue to evolve. And and Bill, maybe you can elaborate a little bit more about you know the relationship between CTS and and Tim um, and how we provide that support going forward. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I mean, again, totally agree with uh, with Peter. Flexibility, right? I mean, that's you know the the ability. I think one thing as well, and I, I it's almost taboo, but. <laughs> You know, the notion of the core, you know, what the situation we're in with the uh, the pandemic and stuff or whatever, really put a flashlight on the ability to be flexible. So, uh, you know, as our relationship with CTS and delivering to the multiple MVPDs, like Peter referenced in that, and, and having those different environments, not only for uh, us delivering to Comcast, CTS and the various environments, but also for them delivering and expanding and growing their business, um, you know, that flexibility is what is key. So, I mean, you know, moving away from it's, it's momentum in this, in this direction, right. Towards this cloud evolution. So, you know, utilizing what you have, uh, be, you know, like in terms of like COTS, like, like hardware and infrastructure that, that's more readily available as opposed to like perhaps appliance-based applications. 
um, you know, being able to remotely deploy software, basically drop in uh, functional elements for what we provide around like transcode and that for uh, file live content, things like that. But um, again, the, ev the evolution of that, the move towards that is key because of that flexibility. So that's what we're enabling. Um, that is a goal of ours, right? So I think, you know, again, mentioning the pandemic and just what we've been working with in the past, uh, you know, year or so, has really accelerated uh, what that model looks like. Um, you know, we're leveraging these remote capabilities. There's still obviously, I mean, you know, it's not it's not so fundamental a change that we're abandoning typical models, right? We still need to be on site. There's still the delivery, the last one. There's a lot of elements to that, which, uh, you know, Peter alluded to in the beginning, as far as architecture and all the different pieces. But what ATEM does is tries to make it easier for the piece of uh, the media content and manipulation, the transcode, that piece of it, and how we can support it through, you know, remote access tools. We have teams, of course, in place that, uh, you know, in the case of CTS and Comcast, you know, very key partners. So we have uh, folks that are able to remotely access and assist and get into that, uh, you know, deployment and support function. So, um, you know, I think that's the key bit is being able to have that, that flexibility, again, uh, not only of the system itself and the underlying technology and infrastructure, but also how we support it, right? Yeah, clear, clear. And, and, um... Simon, you know, rallies installed in multiple locations at the moment. Um, what are the benefits really of, you know, stitching these together to give a holistic view to CTS? Sure, if I just go back to one point, I mean, about multi-tenant, I mean, this is something I think is key for Comcast here. Um, there's also the concept of multi-tenant, um, say multiple Comcast entities using the SDVI Rally platform or one, one system. There's also the ability to have multi-tenant for your customers. And I think that's where, that's when you have to, to obviously internally work out, it's more of a security question. And it's more about, you know, how do, do I want to let my cust end customers log in? Um, you know, most of our customers tend to do that, but usually it's suppliers, you know, who can upload content or, you know, you have external caption houses or other audio houses that are providing facilities that are providing content through some kind of upload portal. Um, so certainly we support that today. But I think from CTS's standpoint, obviously there's the UK side of things, there's multiple rally systems. Again, they could choose to have one rally system, uh, but often that comes down to uh, regional you know, issues, or not issues, regional decisions in that you want to have a, a European region you know, cloud system over here and you want to have a US East over here and a US West. Uh, just really about latencies. Um, from our aspect, we don't really care. It's the cloud and we can spin up, con yeah, spin up content and processing wherever. But um, here, I mean, the benefit is uh, often a rally to rally integration. So, you know, having one system that's able to process all the media, collect, as we said, a huge amount of metadata about this content, but then pass that through to the second rally system. So in the case of passing it to the UK, you know, imagine the, the idea of a trusted relationship here rather than yep. throwing the media over the wall and saying here you go um and then it when it arrives in the uk that partner has to you know often they will requc it they will check all the metadata again they will they will do lots of manual processing you know the goal here is that that we allow customers to collect all the metadata if they've done a qc and they've collected various amounts of metadata you know at that particular part of the supply chain when it gets delivered to the other rally system Let's read the metadata. Let's look at the reports using the metadata in an automated manner. I don't need a human to check that now. Uh, and as long as I trust my other part of Comcast, which I'm sure Peter's customers always will, um, you know, why do I need to run that through another particular 
QC tool again. You know, I don't because mm. I should trust them and have it as a trusted partner. So enabling that rally to rally or, you know, metadata exchange so that actually I've got trusted media arriving into my facility cuts cost across across Comcast because they're able to say, hey, they've already processed it. I'm going to trust it. Sure, you've got to build up a, um, you know, you've got to prove yourself, Peter, when you're delivering it to them to make sure that they trust you. Um, but I'm sure they'd trust that face. So once that goes across there, that you know they can then automate that and cut the costs. And again, it drives more efficiency within the group. Um, so I think that's that's key. Um, multiple locations as well. You know, again, you're building supply chains, and supply chains. Let's be honest. Across different media companies, everyone's doing the same thing. It's just slightly tweaked for different customers and, and different businesses. So. There is the ability for people who are using Rally to say, let's take this supply chain configuration, let's pass it across to our other, you know, versions of Rally, uh, and build up templates of this is how we deliver to, you know, Netflix. This is how we deliver to YouTube. This is how we deliver to Amazon. You know, these are common things, and so we can also assist with that and, and provide those as templates so that it makes it easier for people to, you know, to, to interchange between these systems. So. Okay, no, yeah, thank you. That's that's yeah, very clear because if you're not building them together, you, you know, there is always more resources and everyone needs to become more efficient about their workflows. So that, that's crucial. And and maybe maybe we go a little bit further ahead and start thinking five years ahead and you know, to quote Donald Rumsfeld, you know, there are no unknowns and there are no unknowns and and you know, we don't know where the market is, you know, going to be ultimately in five years or what the technology stack is. But but Bill, maybe you can elaborate a little bit about, you know, what's a TM strategy supporting the industry, not just CTS, but the, the wider industry um, going forward. And I think you know, Michelle touched on that earlier in the in the uh, in the keynote as well. But please, yeah, definitely. Michelle uh, did touch on that. I think, and you know, I mentioned it earlier in our uh, panel here as well. Uh, putting, you know, keeping your ear to the ground or whatever and listening to that, I think with our participation, what's important for a time, at least not only in partnership, obviously with the customers, with Comcast and the partners, but uh, the standards bodies as well, um, you know, listening to, to where this is headed and helping drive that, um, you know, what makes sense, implementing the technology that we have, like with the Titan products and that, and what we're able to incorporate from media processing, um, ever changing, what's important in terms of quality, right? Not, not only implementing certain technology just because, uh, something is new, but what makes sense when it comes to workflow and metadata, what's important for uh, customers expanding, like, you know, like Simon touched on as far as new geographies and that, right? Um, you know, different models are changing and being mindful of all of that. So I think what we're looking at, what Attem is focusing on is, is cloud native environments, right? I mean, folks like Comcast and that MVPDs that are very cloud forward as far as what they're, uh, you know, taking on, not only the private clouds, public clouds, how do we enable that? Uh, and how do we enable that with, uh, not to go back to the KPI conversation, but how can we do that in a smart way so that we can quantify it? How do we know what's making sense, right? We, we have to be able to uh, adjust. Um, so, you know, we, we try to anticipate as much as possible, but I think the key to that, um, you know, and I, I'm an ex-military guy, we did situation, you, you always review where you've been. The ability to look at and recognize what makes sense and what doesn't is what's going to be key. So not only are you implementing features five years from now and trying to be at the forefront of that, but how can you recognize what's making those decisions, uh, that you're making the right decisions? And I think time is at the forefront with that. Uh, acquisition of Anivia, I think you're going to see a lot of um, abilities. You're gonna, we're going to continue to grow that in terms of analytics and how we can uh, justify where we're at and what we're doing. 
and, and as always, you know, the advancements that we're really focused on around video quality and, and uh, you know, media processing, you know, being video. Mm. And, and Simon, I mean, you know, Rally controls today, you know, a TM and video, uh, you know, QC-based tools and so forth, but how wide is the spectrum actually on services and devices that you actually manage? There's quite a lot. Um, I mean, obviously, as I said, you know, there are the high quality encoders like a TEM, you know, there are various other transco vendors that we control. Most of the QC engines or QC analysis engines that we also control, uh, more and more we're seeing the AI services. Again, we, we have quite a few that we control today. One thing just to mention AI is, you know, it's been a buzzword for quite a long time, but it's uh, it's more about what's the what's the problem you're trying to solve with AI, you know, how do I actually get business benefit from it? Sure, um, you know, but there's there's plenty of them out there to you see customers using that for you know nudity detection, violence detection, uh, transcription, you know, to help with captioning. There, there are various things that again, what's the pain point you're trying to solve? Um, but we have those. We have a, a plethora of other captioning tools. They seem to be one every few weeks. That's a bit of a dark art, to be honest. Um, and audio processing tools as well. I mean, there's there's a lot. You know, in general, we try to be Switzerland. You know, we are we are independent there, and we are really just trying to make it easy for you to integrate and to use those tools. And obviously, our, our customers often have new tools. They come along and say, "Hey, we we already have this particular tool. Can you integrate it?" And for us sure that's usually technically pretty quick it's then a case of you know is it cloud native yes or no uh do we need to cloudify that product sure we'll do that and you know have its own container so we can spin it up and shut it down on demand uh, and then it's really the financial model of you know that's maybe where sometimes it takes us a bit more time it's just to say mm -hmm. hey we we can do this but they're not used to having a consumption model and and that's also new for our customers because they now realize hey i can use tool a today but um, to quote some, one of our customers said, "You're, you're, you know, you're never more than three kicks away, three clicks away from leaving my supply chain and being replaced by somebody else." Because we have this marketplace, um, people are actually able to try new products quite quickly. We can just spin one up in your, you know, staging environment, try this new thing, and go, "Hey, that works!" And hey, look, it's a little bit cheaper than the one I'm using today, um, and it has some new tool sets. So, you know, we try and provide that flexibility, but also, again, coming back to the cost giving you the ability to align the cost with what you're trying to achieve. So predicting mm. how much is it going to cost me if I do it through this particular set of tools before I bought all these licenses and I have to use that tool. And I might be using, you know, a very high quality tool for a very, for one of my clients, that's a, a, a lesser quality service. So again, I can actually chop and change those on demand uh, based on what makes financial sense for my business. And that's, you know, what we try to offer with the SDPI platform. So. Okay, thanks. And, and, and then Peter, maybe just to round this out a little bit, you know, what's occupying your mind now thinking about the what's coming up in the next five years? Yeah, um, I think, uh, it, you know, a number of different things. I think the, the shift to cloud is certainly first and, and, and foremost, and that's not a, there's no news flash there. I think we're, we're continuing to see a material shift from across our customers as well for shifting in into uh, cloud-based processing. Um, but we'll continue to maintain that flexibility and that's, you know, we'll be mindful of that as we move forward to have that flexibility, whether it's on-prem for our customers because they have existing infrastructure or we are looking to move to the cloud to support different regions uh, to support scale as needed. That'll certainly be an emphasis as we move through over the next 
next few years. I think on the, you know, Simon talked about AIML. Um, it's certainly a buzzword in the industry, but I think we're still scratching the surface there. Um, such that five years from now will be intrinsically prevalent within the entire content supply chain, driving through to content processing, but also the rich user experience on the application side. Um, you know, when you're you're talking, you know, every aspect of, the, of that supply chain, I think there's an ability to drive AI and ML for efficiencies in, you know, your labor investments around uh, metadata segmentation, um, intros, outros, scene detection, you know, Simon mentioned content censorship, metadata enrichment, you know, we're just seeing, and it's, you know, the, the conversations I'm having with, with our customers, you know, there really is the sense of that's what's coming over the next few years. And I think we'll continue to see that right through from a five-year standpoint, such that, you know, you know, sitting here three, four, five years from now, we'll see it, you know, uh, it, you know, really intrinsic in that entire supply chain. We're, you know, the conversation we're having today is, is a, a sliver of our business in terms of broad distribution. We support um, over, originate over a hundred linear channels from our, our live and linear um, services that we provide within CTS. We're using AI ML extensively across the scheduling and traffic log analysis for uh, AV and, and caption formats for, for blackouts for you know, validation on, on the quality um, of the audio, video, and, and caption formats. Um, we're using it across uh, for metadata enrichment uh, for particular content owners that, you know, maybe long tail or, or some of their, their longer tail library, they don't have that, that metadata. The, the investment from a, a manual standpoint to create that is, is not, you know, something that they're looking for. So they're, where can we bring in AI ML to index the content and automatically create that metadata file that will drive the app and downstream experience. Um, and then, as I mentioned, segmentation, you know, a number of our customers, just the, the stats are staggering in terms of the manual labor that is supported yeah. across the, the supply chain. So I think as we look ahead, you know, that's a, a high point of emphasis for us. Um, and we want to continue all the things we, we do and support in our in our workflow and processing to, you know, as, as we talked about throughout this conversation, continue to have flexibility, uh, the ability to support, you know, cloud-based environments for scale, um, you know, and, and, and everything in between. Yeah, no, I mean, and, and you're right, it's, you know, a huge amount of operational effort goes into, you know, just purely segmentation to, to for different markets globally. And if, you, you know, if you can capture that early on, you create synergies and it can automate that, you know, there's big cost savings to be had there. Well, thank you very much, gentlemen. I mean, I think we've come to the end, but we do have a couple of questions and there's one that's come in here that I thought was very interesting. And Simon, I think this is a good one for you here. Does it make sense to shift to this sort of model during a technology refresh cycle? Sure. I think that's the obvious time to do it. Um, I think, as I mentioned earlier, Shifting when it's a technology refresh is fantastic, but you've got to make sure those operations people are ready to make the business shift as well, because otherwise you're going to, you know, say, hey, here's this brand new system to use, but they're not ready to, to, to change. I think, to be honest, the last year's excitement of a pandemic has um, opened a lot of people's eyes to the ability to shift maybe sooner than they thought because they were forced into something that was unnatural, but actually they've realized it isn't as bad as they thought it you know, could be. So I think there's a, a speed up and a natural migration of people moving things and moving services to the cloud. Um, you know, with CTS, they were already on that path anyway, but you know, there are some that were not. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, I think the people are surprised when they actually make the change. 
that the cost savings that they can see and uh, how that it isn't as disruptive as they thought it was going to be, uh, that actually that tends to be a, a quicker way and they can really start to look at the finances and write off that hardware a bit sooner than they thought uh, because they can't even be in the building as it is at this point. So therefore, um, you know, that's, that's certainly made it go a little bit quicker, so. Yeah, okay. Well, maybe this is a good point to, to round out the conversation. We've got a couple of minutes to go. So um, I think it's an opportunity to uh, introduce the next round. So firstly, I want to thank Bill, Simon, and especially Peter uh, for joining this conversation, giving us an insight into Com uh, Comcast Technology Solutions and what they're doing. Um, so gentlemen, thank you very much. I'm going to uh, hand over. Now we're at the end of the second podcast. If you would like to find out more, you can go to the atem.com website or follow us on LinkedIn. Next time, we will cover delivering next-gen audiovisual experiences in Dolby. Don't miss out!